The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks. Uh, we want to say welcome to technically our second, but really our first of the Bear Down Report podcast, uh, featuring Mike Page. Logan Bradley, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dengel. Uh, just really quick, because technically this is our, our first real podcast. You know, the, the Vikings episode was just kind of a, a little bit of a teaser. Uh, we want to just kind of introduce the, the four of us. You know, we are the, the BDR staff writers. And so we have Logan Bradley. Uh, he's a White Sox fan. He's probably the only legitimate uh, sports writer of the, of, of the bunch. He's the most classically trained. He was a college gymnast um, and works in the sports uh, industry. We'll just say that. We'll leave it at that. Um, next we have Jack Wright. Uh, Jack is also a White Sox fan. We got the, uh, the two, two split here, folks. Uh, he was a high school, uh, football player. He was, uh, a wide receiver and kick returner in college. He's also been a high school coach, including an offensive coordinator. Um, and me, I'm Ryan Dengel, a lifelong Bears fan. Um, I'm also a high school coach of gymnastics, not football, but I promise you, uh, I'll do the research. And then we, uh, have to get last to Mike Page, the creator of BDR, uh, you know, Mike, also a Cubs fan with me as well. And, you know, Mike, we just want to say thank you for creating a, uh, creating BDR, giving us the platform in which to talk about the Bears, man. We're, we're really excited about it. You know, what, what kind of made you decide that this is what you wanted to do and create? Yeah. I'll, well, first, let me, let me start by saying that um, BDR would be nothing without you guys. Of course, it's about fans. The reason why we started uh, really was just to have some fun, you know, uh, a good excuse to, to hang out with our guys and uh, talk Chicago Bears football, you know. Um, and plus, when you're a sports fan, what fan doesn't grow up thinking about, you know, writing an article for the Chicago Tribune, talking with, you know, people like Brad Biggs and traveling with the team, interviewing players, standing on the sideline. I mean, all that stuff is – is. Uh, it's, it's fun to think about. And as a teacher myself and a scientist, you know, um, I'm not going to journalism school. I'm not going to be writing for the Chicago Tribune. So, you know, why not start this? I mean, it was a, it was a great challenge um, that certainly took a lot of, of collaborative effort. And uh, it's been great so far. So um, really why we started it was was to um, also have like a one-stop multimedia platform for people to, to come to without all the ads and without all the uh, clickbait titles and, and all these articles that don't really have any serious content to it. So, uh, you know, we're, we're starting out, but I think that, I think that we've got uh, a good team so far and we're, we're doing a good job. We definitely want to say thank you to all of you that have been reading, that have been listening, um, and just uh, subscribing, and, and just being a part of, of BDR. We, we just, we, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is uh, if you listen to the last episode, uh, thank you so much. If you haven't, please go back. Uh, Brian Heifel and Kevin Olefsky, our Vikings insiders, did a great job with their analysis of the game, and so that we kind of got a, a really good look into who the Bears are going to be facing on Monday night. 
Uh, and after quite a bit of feedback, both from Mike and from other people, it sounds like uh, Kevin and Brian are going to become our Around the NFL insiders. Uh, today, they watched the Detroit Lions play a football game, which just means, man, those guys are working really, really hard. Um, before we hop into the Bears stuff, Jack, I know you watched it. Tell us more about that Bills-Cardinals game and just your, your reaction. It was incredible. I mean, I think especially when you look at Josh Allen and Kyler Murray as up and coming young quarterbacks. And I think everything that we look at is going to be through the lens of the Bears and the purgatory that was Mitch Trubisky. So to see those two be so incredible. On the one hand, Josh Allen is tall. He's athletic. He's got a cannon for an arm he looks like the prototypical beast hall of fame type quarterback and kyler murray thank the guys that he chose football because he's russell wilson on performance enhancing drugs he's fast he's mobile and the the winning touchdown throw it looks like it was going to be a hot mess and then to see him throw it 50 yards in the air and D-hop jump up and catch it in between three defenders, it was amazing. Yeah, for some reason, I feel like, you know, either, you know, no matter what Kyler Murray's done so far this year, he's still not getting the respect that he actually deserves. And he should be in that MVP conversation because you watch him play one time. And I think it's that afternoon window because he's always playing at 3.30. And for some reason, people, well, in Chicago, you're not going to get those West Coast games. This man scrambles all over the field. He looks like he's like four foot two. He's like in reality probably he's like six foot or maybe five foot eleven. But he's just he's he's electric, and I don't know why he doesn't get more credit. Russell Wilson had kind of a rough game today as the Seahawks lost to the Rams, but I don't know. I just think more people need to be talking about him. I think after today that will happen because the man he's a running back who plays quarterback. What do you think it feels like to be Deshaun Watson, right, of the Houston Texans right now, watching DeAndre Hopkins make that three defenders draped all over him? Just... He, he, he has to have, like, uh, something of Bill O'Brien in his room. Like, he, you know, from uh, – I, I forget what uh, – it was Billy Madison or something where he's just crossing names off the list. He, hate, he hates Bill O'Brien. He has to. How do, you, how do you not? He gave him away for nothing. Uh, just, just awful. And then, okay, last thing before we hop into our Bears questions, I don't know if either of you or any of you guys saw the Packers game or the Saints game and watched the roughing the passer calls. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was tackled around his ankles and they called it a roughing the passer. Drew Brees was perfectly sacked uh, and they called it roughing the passer. I, just how do you play to, you know, defense in, in the NFL anymore? I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't play it like, like we used to, that's for sure, right? I mean, you think about all of the penalties that just the Bears have. Look at Akeem Mack, uh, sorry, Akeem Hicks. He was, uh, le he's now leading the NFL in, in penalties, right, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of those are these roughing calls that are just, um, it, it makes the game less fun, right? But at the same time, they're protecting the brand. They're protecting these players that make money for the NFL. So in that sense that I get it, but it's lowering, it's lowering the quality of the product, I think. I, I think it was Josh Allen who sacked Rodgers or got that roughing penalty. And 
he literally, he was either pushed or fell into Rogers' leg. And Rogers went down slowly. It's nothing against Rogers, but like, I don't know what else you do if you're Josh Allen in that scenario. He almost didn't even mean to hit Rogers whatsoever. I, I, I mean, it was such a slow developing play too. So it was surprising that it was called because as a ref, you had so much time to see that happen. It's not like it happened fast. So I, I don't know what, what the line is, but yeah, it's, it's obviously a problem and it's something that will continue. I think it's one of those things where, and maybe this is unfair, but you wonder if the folks making the rules have played the game because I don't know exactly how you can expect a free safety to be 200 plus pounds and run a four, five forty, you know, and, and try to defend a, you know, a crossing route. And somehow, I don't know, like the matrix mid air somehow be able to maneuver their body, you know, away from the head or away from, whatever the current rule is, or, you know, same with the, same with the D lineman. I don't, I mean, these are hulking huge men who I know even again, just from the little bit of coaching that I've done on the D line, you, you practice and practice pass rush and you put some sort of a target in that, you know, backfield and you ingrain the idea that that is your goal. That's what you're trying to go to and get. And there's a viciousness to that. There's a, a violence to that. It's, it's aggressive. And I think Mike makes a great point. It is the brand. Concussions are real. So I understand that point of it. But I just think we're maybe in an era where we're micromanaging some rules that uh, seem a little bit ridiculous. All right, boys, let's, let's hop into it. It's time to Chicago, talk Chicago Bears football. Um, this is something, you know, big news. If, if, you, if you've been living in a hole, you haven't seen this, uh, that Matt Nagy has finally given up play calling duties to Bill Lazor. We don't know if this is long-term or at least for Monday Night Football. Bill Lazor has actually called uh, offensive plays before. Um, I have been highly critical of Matt Nagy's play calling. Uh, Jack and I actually had a want to fight about it that you guys can read about on BDR uh, where we talked about Matt Nagy uh, play calling, right. Versus the head coach. And I think uh, most of us, and maybe things have changed and I'll be you know, happy to hear from you guys, but I think most of us would say Matt Nagy is a leader of men. Uh, he, he's got the locker room. He's never lost the locker room, but offensively he is, he's just been bad. So, so, so Mike, I want to throw this one out to you. Uh, now with Bill Lazor calling plays, do you think it's going to actually change or improve the offense in any way? Yeah, I do, Ryan. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that, that it's going to change and it's going to be positive. It, we might not see that on this game, right? It's a small sample size. But, you know, if we, if we look at Bill Lazor over the next three games and kind of get a good sense of, of his tempo and the rhythm, yeah, it's going to be better. How can it be worse, first of all? I mean, Matt Nagy is, you know, calling plays with um, a 31st-ranked offense in yards per play, 31st-ranked offense in third-down conversion percentage, 29th in points per game, 29th in yards per carry, 29th in yards per pass. It's obscenely bad. There's no way that it can get worse. Bill Lazor, he's been around for a while. He's, he's been around the block. Um, and also, he kind of has a less biased view of this team, right? He's new. Um, I have this feeling that Matt is just obsessed with this problem, and he's like hyper focused. And what he's forgetting to do is is kind of step back, get an objective view of the whole system, 
And um, that's really been his downfall. He, he definitely has some bias towards players. He, um, you know, has certain attachments to certain players and certain schemes, certain plays, right? Um, Laser's been around, man. And he's coached quarterbacks, by the way, and done well with quarterbacks that weren't particularly good. Ryan Tannehill in 2014 passed for 27 touchdowns, uh, over 4,000 yards, and that was the most since Marino in 94. And going into that year, uh, Tannehill was not a good quarterback at all. Uh, in 2016, you had Andy Dalton passing for over 4,200 yards, second most in franchise history. I have no idea who would possibly be first in that, in that uh, franchise. But, um, yeah, never liked Andy Dalton. Bad quarterback, in my opinion. But, I mean, brought him up to 4,200 yards. And I think he was uh, – I think he went to the Pro Bowl that year. So, you know <sighs> – Laser has some good, some good qualities about him too. Number one, he's like crazy smart. He's really, really inte- intelligent, detail-oriented, um, and he's going to focus on tempo and rhythm with an unbiased view. So I think that's going to be huge for this Bears team. And, and plus, change is good. Change is good for everyone, everyone, everyone right now. Um, you know, a lot of times in the NFL, people rally behind the people that are at the epicenter of the change, right? They're going to be fighting for them. And so, yeah, like I said, I mean, we might not see it in this Monday night football game, but if, if we look at a, a series of three games, it's, it's going to be better. I just, when, you, when you talk about rhythm, that's the, one of the first things I think about. Matt Nagy was terrible at rhythm. There was just, you know, getting a play call in on time. You know, but I guess Mike and, and, and you know, Jack and Logan, like this question goes out to all you guys with this offensive line, as awful as it is, is it going to actually make a difference? You know, uh, is, is Bill Lazor going to commit to the run? Are we going to see uh, Lamar Miller? Are we going to see Ryan Nall? I sincerely hope we're done with Cordero Patterson, right? Like that's, that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Well, the thing that you and I would go back and forth on Ryan was you know, the idea of the extent to which it was Matt Nagy's play calling acumen or whether it was the players on the field. And I think ultimately we've decided it's both, but I think early on I gave a lot of leeway to Matt Nagy because I've, I've coached phenomenally good athletes. Like you coached Logan, who was a phenomenally good gymnast who went to U of I guess what that made you look like. That made you look like an expert coach, didn't it? You know, and you, and you are a great coach, but the, idea of making lemonade out of lemons is what every coach hopes for, you know, but I just know there were instances where I would look at my play sheets and then look at those guys out on the field and just think that there's nothing I can call right now that will be successful. And it is the most defeating thing as an offensive play caller. And so Initially, I, I think I gave him that leeway, but I think Mike's right. Over time, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. He's so, you know, so microscopic in his he's got this tunnel vision. You know what it is? It's probably Joe Madden. Try easier, bruh. I mean, try easier. So I, I feel bad for him in some ways because I think it must probably be like a, a dream of his as a coach. But, man, it just didn't come together for him. 
Oh, I can't believe you just brought up Joe Madden on this podcast because I'm probably going to bring up another bad baseball manager soon. But just to add one more thing on there, as far as Bill Lazor is concerned, it's like what you talked about, uh, Jack. I think that there's a, a deficiency of talent at the moment. Like everybody who's going to be on the field tomorrow is obviously an NFL player. They've earned their right to be on that field. But I I think you're going to have to give Lazor a few games because tomorrow night is despite my prediction that the bears are going to win tomorrow night somehow, I think it's going to be kind of rough. I don't think that you're going to be able to really evaluate his talent as a play caller. So I would just kind of caution. I think people know this, but I would kind of caution to give it a few, uh, a few games as that offensive line. Like you might as well, I'm like five, nine, 160 pounds. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get called soon to like start at right guard or something for the bears. So it's going to be rough tomorrow. Let's give him a few games, but I'm, I'm still, excited in quotations to see what he can do. So, so Logan, you know, as, as we're talking about Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, you know, right. Who, whose fault is it more with the offense? Is it, you know, uh, Ryan Pace leaving the cabinet bear or, or is it Matt Nagy? And I guess my question to you really is, are both of these guys or either one of these guys on the hot seat? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you look at this scenario and don't see them as being on a hot seat. Like I said yesterday, I don't think that there's even a seat. I think that the seat is like burning and it's like, there's like half of a seat maybe, but the way that I see it is yes, Ryan Pace has his reasons for blame. I think that there's, you know, obviously the quarterback thing, we're not, I'm, I'm not going to get into that right now. There are positions that he has not addressed the line. There, there are different things that he hasn't done, but I think that 80% of this maybe more falls on Matt Nagy and, I think that a big example is there's been so many times this year, especially uh, well, with both Foles and, and Mitch Trubisky, where they'll just approach the line of scrimmage and, and they're kind of set. The entire offense is like half set and there's like eight seconds left on the play clock. And you can tell that Nick Foles has no idea how much time is on that play clock. And it's just astounding. And so I don't get how that, you know, Jack, you've coached football. I don't get how that doesn't fall on the coach to, get people in the right spots and it seems so easy again as a gymnast gymnastics football not very similar uh, but still I'd, I'd like to know that or like to think that getting set up in your offense after having this much time to work and obviously this preseason was a little bit shortened but to have this much time and you're still doing these maddening things and I look at Matt Nagy on the sideline most of the time they'll pan to him with this dumb look on his face it's like what are you doing man just the simplest things. And then there's penalties and everything. But long story short, Matt Nagy absolutely needs to be on the hot seat. If, this, if there's another bad game tomorrow, and there probably will be, I, I, hope, I think they're going to win again. It's going to be ugly if they win. But he needs to be absolutely on the hot seat. And with that being said, Ryan Pace is right there with him. Yeah, Logan, you were talking about how, you know, they're just not set. There's eight left on the clock and they have no idea, you know, what's going on. Charles Leno was screaming at Foles last game, like, what's going on? Nick was looking around like, you know, I, what, what's going on? Um, and one of the reasons that we brought Nick Foles in was that he uh, can diagnose defenses and he can have these pre-snap reads, right? He needs to be at the line of scrimmage for as long as possible to get these pre-snap reads in. That's, that's his advantage, right? That's why Trubisky was pulled. He couldn't read a defense before the snap. Nick has a history of that, and now he's not able to do that. Um, you know, a great 
this is this is a this is a theme that's just been replaying over and over and over again, where Matt will will call a timeout, right? And then the play that they run right after a timeout is like, you know, they, they have no idea what's going on. It's either a penalty or it's a botched play, right? It's some broken play. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, think about just like the, the, the fake punt to uh, Bartavius Mingo, right? Uh, it was, they get it. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, now what do we do? Like, bro, like you, you got the fake punt. You executed it perfectly. Like next play, let's go. Nagy is a dog chasing cars. He, he caught a car with that Barkevius Mango fake punt, and then he was just like, what am I supposed to do with it now? I don't know, Matt, call an offensive play or maybe even a series of multiple plays that are going to get us 10 yards, a first down. Like, I, he, just, he fully called that fake punt being like, there's probably a 12% chance this works, so I don't have to worry about what happens next. Just gonna, they're going to have the ball. You were right earlier, too, when you said – I think both of you mentioned, you know, the idea that if the, the play clock is running down, that that is it, it's 100 percent on the offensive coordinator. There's no doubt about it. And just as a disclaimer from this point going forward, I would never assume that my experience as a high school you know, play caller is anything like being a college or NFL play caller. But there was never a time where there was a delay of game penalty that it wasn't my fault. And you, you, you do get, you know, we've all been in a situation of high pressure where our minds just kind of just go, you know, uh, just glitch. Uh, and it's difficult, you know, but even at the high school level, you've got a game plan and you know the defense's strengths and weaknesses and you understand the flow of the game. So you ought to have a couple of plays in your back pocket on your play sheet you know, you, you know their defense, you know your personnel, you know your strengths, you know the down and the distance, you know if you're on the right hash or the left hash, and what it is that you can do in that situation. So it does happen, but it should never happen as often as it, the, 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 I'm sorry, the delay of games and the being at the line with, you know, eight seconds that you're just putting your players in a position to fail. Well, Jack, that, that's what I've been thinking about a lot is that I actually believe Matt Nagy is a good head coach. I would like him to stick around. Um, he needs to watch the game holistically, you know, fr from all aspects, as opposed to thinking about the next play. He's, he's not good at that, right? But, but just his, his leadership skills, I mean, he still has this locker room, at least it, seemingly from the outside. He still has it. And that's why I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'll say one more quick thing on Nagy that I forgot to say earlier. I promised that I would reference another Chicago baseball manager. We'll talk a little bit about Rick Renneria and how Matt Nagy and him are kind of similar in the fact that Rick Renneria had that clubhouse tied down. Like everyone believed in him. There was no doubt about it. And I truly believe that it's the same with Matt Nagy. I think the guys in that locker room really believe in him. I don't think that he's really given, I mean, he's given a reason to not like as a man, I think that they trust him but he just doesn't have anything past that. Just like how Rick Renneria didn't know how to deal with a bullpen, just like how he didn't know how to put together a lineup. I, I didn't really realize this till we started the podcast, but they're very similar. And Rick Renneria just was infuriating to watch as a manager. And, and Matt Nagy is very similar. Like Tony La Russa? 
Sorry, I just Stop I just it. had to th- Stop <laughs> it. Stop it. I had to throw it out there. All right, all right. Let's let's move on to the to the next question. Uh, Jack, this one is for you. Is the 2020 Chicago Bears defense better than the stats are showing? And 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 Jack, I'm also curious. Like, how do you feel like this defense compares to the 2018 defense? Well, historically, they're not, and we should maybe make some sort of a a sound drop or some sort of a code for every time we mention the 85 bears, just for the sake of fun and, and good times. Cause I know you love to hear about the 85 bears, Ryan. So they're not the 85 oh. bears. <laughs> they're not the Oh five bears, right? They're not the 18 bears. Um, you know, specifically to the question as I was thinking about it and before I even started looking specifically into it, I thought they are given the respect at an exact level that they deserve. In other words, I, I think, you know, they started out poorly and we had a, a really weak schedule, to, you know, to begin. I think we were all surprised, in fact, and worried when the, when the season started because the first few games, uh, they were terrible against the run and they showed none of the same physicality and, uh, you know, pressure on the quarterback. They, they showed none of those kind of characteristics that we've grown accustomed to. So they were uh, poor out of the gate. Um, they're still not very good uh, against the run. And, uh, you know, so I guess if you put it in historical perspective, you know, like I said, to, to the question itself, you know, which is a great question, is the defense better than the stats suggest? No, I think they're exactly where they should be. They are, they are very good and they are top tier. They are not great. They are not causing any turnovers like the Lovey Smith era bears. Right. And, um, and obviously they're missing some folks, right. That, that would really be great for the run stop. Um, but I, I mean, generally speaking, uh, you know, uh, I think they're a good, not great. Now, the other thing is obviously they've got more pressure on them because the offense is putrid. So, I mean, I think there's an underlying element to your question, you know, in that regard, right. Because they're on the field more. They don't, we talked about this, Ryan, it's, it's interesting in college and, and I would imagine in the NFL, like maybe in high school, you play both ways and you're a little bit more um, all together, let's say. In college and in high school, you're two units. And when the other unit is really sucking, it, to be honest, it pisses you off. You know, you're, you're, the, you're grinding, you're sweating, you're doing everything you can. You're excited, you're creating momentum, you're getting a stop on third and one or fourth and one, and you're running off the field jacked. And then imagine going on the sidelines and watching that crap show that is the offense, right? And so th- there's the real momentum that either builds or just craps itself, you know, so I, I guess... I do give them credit in regards to the holistic approach. They, they're holding up the team. They're very good. They're not great. So, so the only thing that, you know, as I'm thinking about that, Jack, you know, I think this point could go for, for both what you're saying as well as what I'm asking, that no defense in the NFL has faced more drives Right. And only the New York Jets have faced more plays. Right. Because and I think we're, we're saying very much the same thing in different ways. Right. Which is the offense has just got awful and the defense is on the field all the time. So, you know, I'm thinking if, if there was just a, a, a passable offense. Right. Not, e- not even mediocre, not even middle of the road, just like a hey, we can make some plays sometimes that this defense would be 
in that category of 2018, 2005. And I'm not going to even say the other year because we're not talking about that on this podcast anymore. Mentioned the football, the, 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 the Super Bowl shuffle. We should mention that too, but uh, no, I, I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, you know, it's the Trent Delfer effect, right? Like as long as any of us who lived through that, you know, you know look at the situation, you're right. You, you just need a stinking serviceable offense. Just don't turn the ball over, control the ball a little bit, be able to run it to set up the pass. You know, you, you don't need anything super, you know, fancy or, um, you know, exciting, which by the way, as I think we all would agree is incredibly disappointing because I think as Logan mentioned, as we, you know, turn the channel and watch other games, we all just so desperately want to watch our offense be electric, you know, and it is probably, you know, a little bit off subject perhaps, but, but I think that's the thing that just hurts. That's just, it's just heartbreaking week after week after week. And you're right. The defense could carry us to the playoffs and, and who knows how far the rest of the schedule I mean, Green Bay twice and some other games that we could really win, you know, but if the offense was just even a little better, I mean, Mike, when you're rolling off those, you know, their, their rankings, you know, I, I think I, I almost threw up in my mouth. I mean, it's just, they're, they're terrible. Yeah. To be fair though, Jack, you know, the defense has had opportunities to be great, right? There's been a lot of dropped interceptions. Roquan had one. Eddie had one the other day, which don't even get me started on, on my unpopular opinion of how overrated Eddie Jackson is. Um, but the, the, um, the opportunities have been there. And so, you know, they gotta, they gotta just, they gotta finish the plays too. So, I mean, to your, to your point, yes, they are very good, uh, but they, they are, they are great in my opinion with just some minor missed, missed plays. Did, did you say Eddie Jackson was overrated? Cause I just, yeah. I think you just try to just run by that really quick. And, and, and the rest of us are having our shock faces right now. You, you, dude, you gotta, you gotta tell us more about that one. Yeah, that's right. I said it. I, I did preface it with an unpopular opinion. This is, you know, Mike's unpopular opinion of the day. You know, I try to watch Eddie a lot. Um, but, and he gets hyped like he's Ed Reed. And I'm telling you, he is not Ed Reed. Uh, he cannot play in the box as well as Ed does. He does have the speed and the coverage, right? Um, but also, I mean, the effort he makes on some of these tackles, he missed. He misses tackles often, way too often for me to feel comfortable with him uh, in an open field against, um, uh, against a ball carrier. And he makes me nervous in coverage. Fantastic. I mean, you look at any of his coverage grades from uh, pro football focus and, and you're going to be impressed, but you know, if you're just watching him, um, which there's so much to watch when you're watching an NFL game, but if you're just focused on Eddie and you see that 39 flash across the screen and you see him miss some of the tackles that, that he should make um, he's not Ed Reed. And he should not be compared to Ed Reed. He's going to need um, several incredible seasons to get to that point. I'd like to say that I'm a huge fan of unpopular opinions. We could maybe make that a sideshow. For instance, Johnny Depp, not really a very good actor, plays the same role in every single movie, except for Blow, perhaps, in which he's excellent. 
he pretty much just runs around with his hands like waving in the air and being like really flighty. So I am 100% on board if we're going to go to unpopular opinions. All right. Well, hey, we just made it a segment uh, in the Bear Down Report podcast, Unpopular Opinions of the Week. Uh, so so uh, Jack and Logan, I want to hear yours. Uh, my unpopular opinion is Mitch Trubisky should be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears right now. Not long term, not next year, uh, n- not not forever, but Nick Foles is terrible. His, his uh, lack of mobility is killing this team. And I would much rather see 10 out there right now than I would see Nick Foles. Uh, Logan, what is your uh, unpopular Bears opinion? I'm going to defer because I'm still trying to think of one, to be honest. All right, well, Jack. Let me, let, me, let me hear what you have to say about, about Eddie Jackson. I mean, I, I like Eddie Jackson almost to like a default just because he was a late-round draft pick of Ryan Pace, and he's turned into being a pro bowler. So past that, I, I think that like when you start to compare him to guys like Ed Reed, who's a Hall of Famer, I think, of course, that he's going to be overrated because that's pretty hard to get to that level. But I think that he's if, – if you put him on another team, I would agree that you would probably not see him as much because there's so much talent on the Bears' defense. And so there are things that allows him to kind of take liberties and coverage and do different things. But, again, I, I – I kind of get where you're coming from. I do. But at the same time, it's, it's hard for me to call him overrated just knowing his pedigree and the fact that we actually got on draft pick. We were so thirsty for so long for a free safety, right? We, we, we swung and missed more than Dangle swung and missed every time he hit on any girl in high school and got <laughs> shot down. I mean. Right, but that, that, that's true. That's, that's very true statement, yes. So perhaps our judgment's a little clouded because we, and we so, I mean, we, well, we're pulling like Lovey Smith's like like folks from like 20 years ago. Who's the, who is the free safety that played for him? Chris Conti. Yeah, Chris. Oh, yeah, Chris. Why do you, it's a whole why do you, conversation. Jack, why do you keep saying things, right? Just, just to make me angry. You bring up the Conti. You bring up the eighty-five. Like, come on, man, cut it out. This is supposed. We're supposed to be having fun during Sorry, this man. podcast. <laughs> you know, I love a kid because I love. But so, so I think with, with Eddie Jackson, I think you know we probably had perhaps a little bit, you know. Um, higher expectations because we were so desperate for a safety, you know? Um, and, and the fact that I think he came out of the gate pretty good, pretty exciting. He was uh, clearly better than the ones we had had previously, you know, um, that perhaps we, we, we hoped more for him. Uh, it doesn't matter on the Mitch topic. It, it doesn't matter which quarterback we play. It, I mean, I think, and perhaps I just have, you know, we have COVID fatigue. I think I have Bears quarterback fatigue. I mean, quite honestly, it, does it really freaking matter? We started the year with the worst quarterback room in the NFL. It didn't really matter whether you played Mitch or whether you played Nick Foles. You'd have traded both of those guys for almost anybody in the league, probably. And so I, I don't want to, I mean, yes, could we go into it? Could we like dissect it and look at the minutia of their play? And, and if you want to, that's fine. But I will just say with the offensive line and the, and the, the weapons or lack thereof, 
I just really, I don't think that it matters. I think Nick Foles is tall. I think he has a better presence. I think he has a better arm. I think he, he reads defenses better. I think he's been given zero time to throw the ball, zero time to throw the ball. And I think Mitch was just put in a terrible situation that wasn't his fault. And he may have a second career somewhere else, but it's not going to be with the Bears. You know, here, here's the thing. Uh, Mike, I want to throw this question out to you first. Who do you think the Chicago Bears starting quarterback is in 2021? Is that guy on this roster right now? Well, Nick Foles is going to be here. Uh, whether he's uh, starting the 2021 season uh, as our quarterback game one, it's, um, it's questionable. I think it depends on a lot of, a lot of factors. Uh, Foles is going to be here, though, no doubt. But uh, with that being said, I do have a quarterback that I think is going to start for the Chicago Bears in 2021, not named Nick Foles. And his name is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, BYU quarterback. Um, which, by the way, who was the last BYU quarterback that the Bears took in the first round? Uh, let's talk about the 85 Bears, Ryan. Um, why, why do you guys keep doing this to me? This is, this is, <laughs> we're not doing this today. Yes, yes, Jim McMahon. All right, keep it. Jim keep McMahon, it Zach Wilson, a headband-wearing BYU quarterback, first-rounder. Um, he, he's been shooting up, shooting up draft boards. Uh, he had a rough sophomore season. Uh, he had some shoulder injuries, I believe, but he is looking fantastic as a junior right now. He still needs to declare, but um, I think he will. And there's really three teams that are going to be picking a quarterback before the Bears, probably. This is, of course, a projection, but the Jets, uh, the Jaguars, and the Washington football team, which I hope they pick a name by next year. Um, I don't really like the whole Washington football team, but whatever. But have you heard, uh, sorry, Mike, have you heard on uh, any of the, I don't know if you have Sirius XM, but most of the fantasy uh, sports outlets have just decided to call them the Washington potatoes, <laughs> which I think is just fantastic <laughs> because why not? <laughs> I love it. Let's keep it. Uh, it could just, their helmet can just be one giant potato, actually. Not, no, no symbol, just a potato as a helmet. But, um, yeah, let's talk about the quarterbacks coming off, right? Trevor Lawrence uh, from Clemson. He's probably going to go to the Jets, number one. Sam Darnold, out of the I, I feel there. so bad for him. Any player that's gonna, that is forced to go to the Jets, right, like just – I feel so bad for you. That is just the most, you know, just awful franchise in, in the NFL right now. Yeah. I mean, a bunch of analysts are saying, Trevor, just stay in college one more year, you know, I mean, because the jets are picking and it's just going to be miserable. Uh, so Justin Fields, he's, he's from Ohio state. He's looks fantastic. He's probably going to be going to the Jaguars um, and then there's really three quarterbacks kind of in the same tier. Um, Trey Lance from uh, North, Dakota, North Dakota State, Kyle Trask from Florida, threw five touchdown passes in the first half yesterday, by the way, five and one half. Um, and then there's Zach Wilson. So I think that the Bears are probably going to wind up with one of those three guys. And, and I'm my guy, Zach Wilson. Uh, he is, uh, he's 
I think his completion percentage is around like 75% right now. So he's super accurate. Um, he's great on the run and he's uh, accurate on the run, which, you know, we also heard about Mitch, but um, he's got, he's got great arm strength, uh, no character concerns, good leader. Uh, so I'm going to go with Zach Wilson starting game one, 2021. Uh, Nick Foles will, will be the backup. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see where does Dak Prescott land. I mean, with the, the Bears' uh, salary cap issue, I, I mean, they, they can't really sign anybody. And and just looking the way that things are right now, you know, people are talking about uh, extend Allen Robinson, and I've been one of those people. You know, looking at the situation the way that it is, they're not going to be able to sign a big free agent name unless they get rid of somebody big on defense or completely restructure the contract. Isn't it a little bit odd if we if we pan out for just a minute to think that over the course of our lifetimes there has not been an elite quarterback in the employ of the Chicago Bears? I, you, you would have thought that they would have like, I mean, just like accidentally stumbled into one, right? As you look across the league and you think about you know the, the teams that have had quality quarterbacks. It, it's so depressing. And I think all of us would agree that I, mean, I think all Bears fans, if we, if we could someday watch a game and not have them put up that ridiculous graphic of the plethora of Bears quarterbacks, you know, just hot garbage, dumpster fire quarterbacks year after year, we, we would all be happy. I, you know, going back to talking about like having an electric offense. I mean, I think that's what was so frustrating about Mitch. You know, I, I bought my kids a Jersey. I was so excited to have a quarterback that was seemingly uh, of high character and hopefully would be talented and be a franchise quarterback so much so that, you know, because I know growing up, I loved having a Walter Payton Jersey and having something to look forward to. And, and I won't be sorry this time and just loving the 85 bears and having that be a part of the, you know, just the, 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 the foundation of my family, my friends, you know, proud to be a Chicagoan or, you know, Northwest suburban, but, you know, we all know like having an elite quarterback is the difference. It is all of the difference, you know? So I don't know if they can draft one. I, I hope you're right, Mike. I hope, you know, I hope he's the guy, but I just, I honestly, I just hope at some point in my lifetime, like Cubs fans, you know, futilely waited for a world series to happen. And like a squirrel blind squirrel that finds a nut got one. I hope the bears on some level, sometime we'll get an elite quarterback that we can all get behind. I feel like I'm like an old grandma who's like grandson is like 43 years old, lives in his basement and just hasn't had a girlfriend his whole life. And I'm just like, Oh, I hope he finds somebody someday. He's such a nice boy. Like, that's how I feel. The bar is so low. It's so sad. Just give me a quarterback. Uh, you know, and, and just, just you know, the, the, this is the last time I, I will say this on a podcast. This is the last time I will say this. Uh, I, I won't write about this. But, but Pace, you had a one in three shot of getting not only just a good quarterback, but, but, but a long-term answer. I, and, and I look past... Right. Mahomes, like the, 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 the system that he ran at Texas Tech. Right. I understand why they didn't pick him. But Deshaun Watson, like I just 
why, why you thought like, Hey, I'm not even going to look at you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spend time researching you. I'm just like, Oh yeah, you're, you're just, you're undersized. So I don't want you. Right. Even though you've been, been just stellar, right. And in, in the eyes of the national championship, you're a winner, a proven winner. And we took a guy that, that, that couldn't even break into the starting role until his senior year. Like Mitch is a high character guy. You know, I, I, it's not his fault that he was drafted second overall. Right. And I think that's, that's just a really important point. Right. Um, he, he shouldn't have been picked in the first round. Right. And if he was a fifth round draft pick, I think bears fans would feel drastically different about it. Right. But, but he was picked in the wrong spot. Um, and it's, I think that's the part that, you know, it's, I want to move on from this. I want to go to, to the next situation, but it's, it's, it's just so tough when, when you had an amazing opportunity to get, you know, two out of the three quarterbacks and you chose the wrong one poorly. You couldn't, you couldn't whiffed harder if you tried. Right. I mean, and, and to trade away all those picks to do it and, and to not even like meet and have a dinner with Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, I think you're right. I think, you know, maybe there is a, a certain amount of, you know, unfairness to criticize them because he seemed, you know, he seemed a little erratic, I suppose. And, you know, his character, not that he had any character issues, but he didn't seem like maybe as mature and focused. I don't know, whatever, but, but I, I don't know. I mean, like it's going to go down in history as one of the worst whiffs in the, the history of the NFL. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Logan, you know, we're, we were looking at a five and one season. Now we're looking at a five and four season. Is it possible for the 2020 Chicago Bears to salvage this and, and turn it into something? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that it is, but it starts tomorrow night. And this is a, a number that I got from reading an article in The Athletic. But tomorrow, with a loss, their chance of making the playoffs drops to 27%. And with a win, it jumps up to 62%. And I mean, you could probably do that with most games, but it's just like, that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, but it, it easily can be salvaged because you have these, all these games still left against the Vikings and the Lions. And that's where Matt Nagy makes his, Hey, um, I just, you know, said he should be fired earlier basically, but it, I mean, he's been very good against these teams. He's nine and oh, um, I believe in tomorrow with a win, he'd be 10 and oh. So when you have that much talent on the defensive side of the ball, um, I think that there's always a chance to turn around no matter how bad your offense is. So am I hopeful? I, I sure am. I'm not going to hold out too much hope. But, yes, I, I do think that it can be salvaged in, uh, in some way. I mean, I know we'll talk predictions in a little bit. Um, you know, I just I, – I, this game is, is hugely important. And it's interesting, you know, when talking to uh, Kevin Olesky and Brian Heifel, our, our Vikings insiders, right, but, you know, both of them kind of said the same thing, that they, they believe – Vikings fans believe that, that they're still able to salvage their season and turn it into something with that awful one-and-five start that they had. But, I mean, I, I, I have to admit this, that, that the Vikings were a team that I picked – to go like deep into the playoffs. Right. I mean, that's a very talented roster. Um, and so, you know, kind of, kind of surprised where we were a couple weeks ago and I'm very, very interested to watch this game. All right. So gentlemen, I want to hear from all of you guys. Uh, who is your best bear at this point on the off? Uh, we're, we're looking at off, offense specifically um you can't say Allen robinson right everybody knows it's Allen robinson it, that is the bears offense but who is the player that you guys are looking at jack i want to start with you who who is the 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 best offensive player not named Allen robinson for you so just to clarify we can't pick Allen robinson so 
uh, no. C, I, I choose C, whatever C is. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I took a look at this real quickly. Both of the answers, again, make you feel real sad, right? Like, I'm just not picking Monty. I just, I mean, it could be a product of the offensive line that he is so ineffective. And maybe, again, he's another player that would go to another franchise and be excellent. But uh, I'm not so sure. I, I just don't think his vision is great. Maybe that's a discussion for another time. But I, I don't see him, even with a good offensive line, uh, being like the, the bell cow running back. So I'm just not choosing him. Plus, I think he has one touchdown. I think he has one long run of 38 yards. So uh, the guy who has five touchdowns, any guesses? That's right. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham. Jimmy That's Graham. Right. So, I mean, no. and I'll tell you what, I love that guy. I mean, I just, when they talked about him being like a, you know, like a, a you know, quality guy in the clubhouse and all that stuff. I mean, let's face it. I, he just, he, he conducts himself like a chach, right? And he may be a good guy. If we met him in person, right, we may be able to have a great conversation with the guy. But, you know, some, you know me, Ryan, and my whole, like, body language thing. And, and I just I, – I, I love this body language. But you want to go to somebody when we're in the red zone, that's who you go to, and he's got five tutties. If we're talking long-term, you know, we're talking Darnell Mooney, without yeah. a doubt. You know, he's fast. His routes are great. He's got great hands. What a steal, right? His production just hasn't been quite there yet. You know, talk, talking just really quick before I hear from you, Logan, you know, uh, I've been highly critical of Jimmy Graham. In fact, I think in, in a Bear Down report, uh, I, I think I wrote something about him being compared to hoarding of toilet paper, um, you know, in the early parts of the pandemic. However, five touchdowns in, you know, in that guy in the red zone, you, you got you to gotta hand it. Like Ryan Pace did something halfway decent there. Yeah, and do you know what Matt Nagy is doing is he's taking him off the field in the red zone. I don't know if you've noticed this. Why are they taking Jimmy Graham off the field in the red zone? It makes no sense. It's a, just another example about, you know, Nagy probably just overthinking, trying to come up with something cute. Just throw the ball to Jimmy Graham. He'll go catch it. It's really not that hard. All right, so so Logan, do you do you have a uh, an, another bear not named Allen Robinson that you're looking at at the offense as the MVP? Um, I mean, Jack mentioned like the two useful offensive players on the entire Bears team, but I was going to say Darnell Mooney, just like what he said. The the routes have been crisp. He looks like he wants to be out there, which. I mean, he, he took Anthony Miller's job this year. Anthony Miller, like, in my opinion, I'm just – I'm very fed up with Anthony Miller. It just drops, and he, he talks a lot, and I don't think completely backs it up. Sure, he's had a couple of good games, and he's a talented player, but <clears throat> Darnell Mooney has made me forget about him very, very quickly. And, God, if, if you can find a quarterback in the next seven, six seasons, you, you have a pretty useful piece there, and you have a guy who can stretch the field – um, I, I don't even like know what that means because I'm a Bears fan, but I hear that that's a good football term to use. Um, but yeah, Darnell Mooney is obviously a very talented player. And if you get a guy to throw him the ball, he's going to be good for a long time. If you're looking for an undercard, you know, on the next uh, pro boxing match, I got whims. I'm taking him. But other than, you know, 
other than that, I don't think we. And I don't. Maybe there's somebody on the offensive line who's been like an incredible anchor that is a little bit more obscure, you know, and maybe should be mentioned. But I, I don't think so. <laughs> so, so it's interesting that you say that, Jack. You know, my my guy is not someone that I think is uh, an MVP, but is someone that I'm anxious to watch more. He's, he's been hurt, but uh, the one game that he got in, Sam Mustafer, uh, you know, former Notre Dame product uh, who has been just a uh, really smart guy and has been able to stick around with the Bears. Uh, I'm really interested to see more of him. And, and if he can come in and play center uh, at a somewhat consistent level, right, then moving Cody Whitehair out back to guard, right? And then, uh, you know, when James Daniels comes back, you're actually, the interior of your line is, is looking okay, right? You've got to go get yourself a tackle. You've got to draft probably a right and left tackle this offseason. But, but Sam Mustafer is someone that I am really curious to, to, to watch a little bit more of. Mike, is there anybody that we haven't said that you're looking at on the offense? I mean, I'm a Bears traditionalist. I like middle linebackers and running backs. So, uh, yep, I like David Montgomery. He was leading the league in broken tackles uh, going into last week's matchup, and I love that. Um, you know, he is getting he is getting just destroyed behind the line of scrimmage. The penetration that opposing defenses are are getting is just insane, and you don't see him complaining either. You don't, he's, he's not talking. He's not going on Twitter complaining, right? You don't, the camera doesn't pan over to him on the sideline, having a temper tantrum like Alan Robinson. Sometimes I don't know if you see, he gets very upset. Um, he's also a very good blocker, which the offensive line desperately needs all of the help that they can get. And he can catch better than we thought too, right? There's a, um, that one really, really awesome touchdown pass that he caught kind of, zigged and zagged a little bit um had a nice floater floater from falls down down the left sideline uh, on like a little wheel route that was cool um he's got better hands than than expected for sure um and like i said i'm a traditionalist so when i see a bears running back just like destroying a, a guy you know with a stiff arm and slamming him down to the ground like david did last week i get hyped up about that all right, so Mike, sticking with you then, let's flip to the other side, right? Who, who is your defensive best bear at this point in the season? Who's the guy that, that you've just been saying, hey, this guy has taken over games? Yeah, it's Roquan Smith. Uh, it's hands down Roquan Smith. The tradition continues. I love, God, I love having a middle linebacker that is an all-pro. My God, he leads the NFL in defeats. Uh, a defeat is a stat that kind of accumulates three stats, tackles for loss, third and fourth down stuffs, and forced turnovers. He has uh, 21 of those, leads the league in the NFL. Leads the NFL in solo tackles, 62. Uh, fourth in total tackles, third in the NFL, tackles for loss. Um, and he's on pace for the highest tackle total since Erlocker in 2002. This dude is fast. Um, he flies around. He makes awesome open field tackles as well. Uh, he can shed blocks, but probably the most underrated part of his game is in coverage. Quarterbacks have 58.5% completion percentage against this dude. Best in the NFL. Um, he had a torn peck last year. I don't know if you remember that. Bounced back from that really, really well. He's played all but two but defensive snaps this year. Um, 
And I just, I'm so psyched about Roquan finally coming, coming into his own first round draft pick from Pace, all pro middle linebacker as a Bears fan. Get me on board. Yeah, um, I'll go next. I mean, it's, it's hard not to say that Roquan Smith, or hard to say he's not the MVP. He is the defensive MVP unquestionably. But um, Jalen Johnson, a guy outside um, to play alongside Kyle Fuller, has just been phenomenal so far this year. Um, coming into this week, he was leading the NFL in pass breakups. I don't know what else you want the guy to do. He's had some rookie, you know, times here and there. But outside of that, he's been a guy that you can rely on. And that's kind of a hard thing to come by in the NFL, especially with how important corners are today. No, I think, you know, Mike, you, you nailed it. I mean, I think he's got 82 total tackles. The next guy is, you know, Trevathan with 56. I believe he's, you know, fourth or fifth in the NFL in, in tackles. I mean, you know, so, so he is a beast and he clearly has made his presence on the field, uh, you know, known. I, I will say, you know, I think Pagano's done a nice job with them. I think we were worried when Fangio left. And what I learned because I mostly coached on the offensive side of the ball. And this was a surprise to me when I moved over to the defense for a couple of years, I realized how much more important on defense it is that everybody does their job. Uh, you could get like, let's say you're running a sweep, right? For instance, you know, you're pitching out, right? Well, ostensibly if the left tackle doesn't do his job, you might still get a nice gain. However, on the defensive side of the ball, the, the ripple effect of someone not doing their job, if your job is to set the edge and you don't set the edge, right, then that makes the, the linebacker's job more difficult. You know, the outside line, linebacker's job more difficult, makes the cornerback's job more difficult, just on, let's say, this pitch play that I'm using as a hypothetical. So, you know, it is interesting that there's such a standout in, in Roquan because when defenses are great, you've got 11 guys doing their jobs on a consistent basis, and you've got 11 guys flying to the football with, you know, tremendous aggression. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see the corners be, be very good. Uh, Dangle, you were ripping on, uh, on, on Danny T early in the year. Are you – back on board with him because now I think the the two of them are beginning to complement one another better. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you could just see it in coverage. He looks significantly better at, at the beginning of the season. He was a liability, you know, I, I, I didn't know what was going on, uh, but just to see, I mean, he's made a couple of really good plays in coverage as of late and he still got legs, you know, he still got his wheels. Um, you know, I think uh, I was really hoping that they were going to be able to keep Kwiatkowski um, who's just been an absolute stud for Las Vegas, uh, a friend of mine who is a, is a huge Raiders fan uh, sent me a message like, who is this kid? We love him. He's, he's been stellar. He's been a captain. Um, you know, he's, he's great. But, but again, the cap situation just doesn't lend itself to that. Um, you know, guys, I, I think, um, you know, obviously Roquan has been, been stellar. The guy that I think, you know, other than Jalen Johnson is, is Kyle Fuller right? Kyle Fuller has 33 tackles. He's got an interception this season. You know, I think he's had a couple, a couple plays that you just kind of look and go, really, that's, that's, that's pass interference. Like really. And even after that, he'll come back, he'll make a play. Uh, he's made some good open field tackles. Um, you know, I, I really statistically speaking right now, you've got the number one cornerback and the number two cornerback in the NFL. And both of them are wearing Chicago bears uniforms, right? Like the secondary has just been stellar. 
Yeah, notice, by the way, none of us have talked about Eddie Jackson. Just saying. Just saying. And no one has talked about Mac. And I think, I mean, personally, I think the money that we spent and the way that he came out of the gate, which, again, is another thing that created really high expectations, probably maybe too high. But ultimately, I feel like every time Chris Collinsworth, you know, talks about how he's being double teamed, they show a clip, and guess what? He's not being double teamed. Now, similarly with, like, going, going back to Montgomery, I'm not saying Montgomery's bad, and I'm willing to admit that I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I could be wrong about Mac, too. But ultimately, I don't think that Cleo Mac – why would you not – like, how is it that we're not all saying Cleo Mac? Like, that's a problem. Well, that's a real big problem. Well, Jack, it's interesting you say that because the one that I'm thinking about even more is Robert Quinn. Right? I was so excited about this guy coming, right? The first play, right? Bam, makes, makes a huge play and then has done almost nothing, right, th- this season. And the money that they are paying him, right, it's just we're, we're already in a bad cap situation. This guy has just done nothing, right? Like, you know, what would you say you do here? Um, I hate to bring this up, but Leonard Floyd has uh, six sacks in nine games. Oh, All God. right, see you later. You know, he he was a better linebacker than the Bears gave them credit for. You know, he wasn't a great pass rusher when he was here, but in coverage, he was really, really good. And I think in the early parts of the season, they were really missing another coverage linebacker not named Rokon Smith. Do you think that um, ex-Bears factor is becoming similar to ex-Cubs factor? I think it's starting to be on the same level, right? I mean, because – uh, you're looking at, you know, whether it's Floyd or you talked about Kwiatkowski, guess who's got a couple touchdowns at tight end? Adam Shaheen, that's right. Right? And maybe we, the, Adrian we Amos? That, Adrian Amos, yeah, right? right? I mean, I mean he, Mostert, you know, I mean, it's like kind of on oh, and on. Yeah. So there's an X, there's a legitimate X Bears factor coming up. I mean, the other person that probably would be in this conversation that we haven't met, mentioned is Hicks. I mean, Hicks, he's, he's lovable. He's, he's the center. He, boy, I don't know if like anybody works harder, you know, like from play to play to play, he doesn't seem to take any plays off. He looks like he, he might be, you know, maybe Roquan Smith is the, like, the more silent leader, but it looks to me like Hicks demands the, the respect and attention of everybody on that squad. Uh, and he's, he's very good. And just not having Eddie Goldman this year, he's kind of minimized that, how much we miss him really by plugging holes up the middle. I mean, you had Derek Henry last week. I don't, I remember what he ran for, but he at least didn't absolutely crush us. And it was mainly because of Hakeem Hicks. 68 yards. Um, and, and really just aside from one big run, I mean, he, he was, he was shut down. I would say Hicks has played incredibly well, but, but guys like Brent Urban has also played really, really, really well, um, you know, in that spot. I mean, I, I Akeem Hicks, Jack, I, I can't agree with you more. That dude is the heart of this Chicago bears defense, which I hate to say it, but a great find by Ryan Pace, right? You know, something we can talk about. All right, gentlemen, um, here's something, you know, I got to ask uh, our Vikings insiders, um, and it's a question that, that I wanted to hear from you guys. Um, the matchup that you're most looking forward to in this game or the best 
uh, Bears Vikings matchup uh, that that you that you've seen historically, either one. You know, the, the one that I'm thinking about that I'm really going to watch closely is is uh, wide receiver Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings against the Bears secondary. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been just god awful against the Chicago Bears. Uh, he's been terrible on Monday Night Football, um, and you know, but Justin Jefferson is is looks like the real deal as of right now. And to see him against Jalen Johnson and to see him against Kyle Fuller, uh, I'm really interested to watch that matchup. Uh, you know, the one that we talked about historically speaking, you know, you know, is uh, Brian Urlacher versus Adrian Peterson, right? Um, you know, that's that, that one is, is pretty stellar. So, uh, what about you guys? Is there, uh, is there Logan, what about you? What's the matchup you're looking forward to? I mean, easily the most exciting thing tomorrow is going to be similar to what you just said. It's going to be Roquan Smith and Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is arguably the best offensive weapon in football this year. I mean, there's, there's definite arguments to that, but that guy is like, I think over the last two weeks, I, I don't know for sure. I think he has probably around 300 total yards and like two, three, four touchdowns. That's like over the last two weeks. So the guy's just been dominant. But um, it's going to be interesting to see him at his peak form against Roquan Smith and his peak form because that's going to be that's going to be a good matchup. You're right. I think, and uh, I believe he's leading the NFL in rushing, and he missed two games right i mean which is just a, like he missed a game okay so i mean he is like he's a freak of nature and um and and i think you know some of these questions you know they 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 run into one another but we have the bears defense has done a great job at, at shutting down great running backs right and for the most part and i think you know i hope that you know our listeners do go listen to the minnesota breakdown because it was excellent and the detail was phenomenal and uh you know, one of the things that I thought was really fascinating was, you know, it's it's so trite to say, but throw out all the records, right? Like, how can the Bears be the Bears and then potentially come in and, and, and shut another elite running back down? Well, it, it's possible because they seemingly have done it, uh, you know, throughout the course of the season. So there's so much to watch in this game. Justin Jefferson, Ryan, you are right. That dude is a freak. The speed, the length, uh, he's so fluid and crisp in all of his routes. I mean, honestly, it's, it's like a true heir to Randy Moss in Minnesota, unfortunately. And I'm just, I'm really terrified of this guy, you know, just terrorizing Bears defenses for the next decade. But, um, yeah, and of course, Delvin Cook and Roquan. I, I'm always watching Roquan, right? But in this game... There's a quarterback on the other side, and his name is Kirk Cousins. And I can't tell you how much I just despise this dude. What a doucher. I mean, I'm going to be watching Khalil Mack every single play and pray to God that he just murders this dude because I love it. I just love watching Kirk Cousins just flail and get whacked and just run for his life and throw interceptions. It's him and Jared Goff. These are the two quarterbacks in the league that I just absolutely despise. So because of Kirk Cousins, I'm just going to be focused on Khalil Mack in this game. You know what's interesting is Khalil plays exceptionally well uh, on Monday Night Football. He plays exceptionally well under nationally televised games. Um, And he has played exceptionally well against Kirk Cousins. 
I, you know, I, I asked our Vikings insiders, you know, would they rather have Teddy Bridgewater or would they rather have Kirk Cousins and his contract? And both guys said they'd rather have Teddy, right, and, and not be handcuffed by Kirk Cousins' contract. All right, gentlemen, before we get to predictions, right, uh, of how you see this game playing out, Jack, uh, you know, if this game doesn't go the way that Bears fans want it to, What's the team that, that you're adopting? What's the, what's the team that, that, that Bears fans should be watching uh, for the rest of this season? It's a great question. I, I heard one of the, you know, the, the sports talking heads in Chicago talking about adopting another team. And I mean, I think, you know, generally speaking, Chicago fans and Bear fans, you know, are so true to their team. There's not even really any, like any type of like, you don't even flirt with the idea of being like, Oh, well, this is my, you know, my second team or my, my alternate team. I mean, I, I remember growing up like in the Seahawks. I don't know why, but it was still the bears. There was no doubt. Right. And it was the Sox. There was no doubt. And it was the bulls zero doubt. However, I really thought, you know, that's kind of a, like, kind of a nice idea. Like who adopt a team? Why not? You know? So if the bears are like continually poor, then I'm not going to be so sad because I love watching football. And I know we talked about talked about them in, on the uh, on the outset, but but I don't know why, but it's the Buffalo Bills. You know, I mean, I think you know going back to you know our, our childhood and watching them nearly get to the Super Bowl so many times, and having uh, you know Don Beebe was a uh, Caneland High School uh, graduate, and that's where I went, so it was really pretty cool to see. Um, uh, I, you know, I think I, I really loved like that franchise just in general at the time. And so now here they are, I think, just loaded. I mean, I, I thought you guys did a, a great job too about talking about, you know, how Diggs has been replaced, but, but Diggs has been very good for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, so everybody kind of got what they wanted, I suppose, as your, uh, you know, as your podcast said last time, but um, yeah, I'm going to probably, you know, the Buffalo Bills, you know, and then again, it's repetitive, but, but just watching Kyler Murray, because, because watching somebody that's, that is that talented, I think is part of the reason that, you know, we, we do love the game, you know, is to see somebody that's just outstanding on another level that can do things that we can't do. So I'm adopting the bills. Uh, I'm not sure what Jersey I'm getting yet. Uh, probably. Yeah. I don't know, but Buffalo. Bills. How about, how about Tyler Bass? Did you see their kicker today? He had like three fifty two plus yard field goals. Isn't That's that great bass. <laughs> you, you know, okay. Since, since you brought up kicker, we'll, we'll say this really quick. Uh, Cairo Santos. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to say it yet, but as of right now, he has been really good. Um, you know, and, and that when Eddie Pinheiro gets back, he's not the bears kicker, right? I mean, you gotta, you gotta stick with Cairo Santos uh, a couple times. It is just, you know, uh, when he got iced, I forget what, you know, which game it was. You guys can help me out through that and, and just nailed it both times. Like, okay, that's fine. Sure. You know, ice me out and, and I'm still, I'm still going to kick it. Um, he's kicking with confidence and I mean, he's, he's been fun to watch. All right, gentlemen, I want to know, how do you see this game playing out and what is your final score prediction? Uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? And what's the, what's the, what's the final score? Yeah, it's going to be an ugly game, but it's going to be an ugly win. Uh, you know, how could we predict a Bears victory without it being ugly? Uh, that's just going to come with the territory. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson pose serious issues, but Dalvin Cook in his last three games against the Bears, 2.53 yards per carry uh, with only one touchdown and one fumble lost. 
So, yeah, he might be a different back this year. They might be, you know, scheming him uh, a little bit differently. But I have, I have faith in Roquan. And just, like, just like how we handled Derrick Henry. All of us were like, uh, Derrick Henry's a beast and our run defense is bad. And Derrick Henry's going to run all over the Bears. And we were wrong. Uh, you know, 68 yards. I, th- I think that uh, Dalvin, Dalvin's going to get swallowed up a little bit. Um, yeah, because I hate Kirk Cousins so much. I mean, I, I just have to predict that he's going to throw a couple interceptions, a couple fumbles, a lot like sack fumbles. Uh, but Justin Jefferson, I'm telling you, that guy's going to score at least, at least a touchdown. It's going to be 2017 bears in, in my opinion, that that defense is young. That Minnesota defense is young. Uh, and they, they're building some confidence. You know, they had, they had a good victory against Green Bay. They're feeling good right now that that Minnesota squad is uh, gaining some confidence. But at Soldier Field um, against Khalil Mack, this in, underneath the bright lights, I, I think that, uh, you know, Bears are going to pull this off. Jack, what about you? How do you see this game playing out? What's your final score? Uh, Ryan, if it's the Vikings and Dicka. Uh, and Minnesota, I'm sorry about it, uh, against the Bears, who do you choose, my friend? <laughs> choose the Bears every day, right? Well, obviously, my friend, you will always pick the Chicago Bears. They are the best team. That's right. So well, I started out really good. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, didn't mean that. Those, those were great impressions. I need to hear more of them. Um, <laughs> the, the game tomorrow is going to be boring as hell. You're going to want to rip your hair out eight times and then the bears are going to win. And I don't think it's going to be full bear weather. Cause I think it's supposed to be like mid forties with like 12 degree winds. We need colder. I need colder for me to be fully confident, but 20 to 13 bears. Yeah. And I went, uh, I think it went 23 to 17 in our staff picks. Uh, I took it on the chin pretty hard. Uh, however, I'm making a, a valiant comeback. I've got my eyes set on you, uh, Mike and Logan and Ryan. Uh, I plan to overtake you soon. But I thought what was great about the podcast, again, it was really great. I know it sounds like we're just plugging something because we did it. But Ryan's right. The the, the analysis that the Vikings fans provided was was excellent. And they talked about predicting the un, unpredictable. It's really weird, you know, how the overall record is 60, 56, and 2 uh, to the Vikings' uh, credit. And, um, you know, I think in my predictions, I've said even the blowouts haven't really been blowouts, you know. Um, yeah, so I think ultimately when it comes to, you know, being a home game, I, as much as I dogged Mac, I, I do agree with you about the Monday night factor, Ryan. Um, and, it seems as though um, – do we talk about this? I don't know. Uh, I believe Nagy is uh, 4-0 against the, the Vikings. You know, so for some reason or another, you know, as, as uh, impotent as we said he's been, he seems to be, you know, pretty darn good against, uh, against, against the Vikings. So Bears 23, Vikings 17. So, you know, I think uh, it makes me a little bit nervous that we're picking the Bears, uh, but, but thinking about this, that, that Kirk Cousins is terrible on Monday night. Uh, he's terrible against the Bears. Um, Dalvin Cook is terrible against the Bears. So I see this game being won by one Eddie Jackson 
on a uh, interception for a touchdown that does not get called back, 17-13 Bears. Uh, for all of you that are listening, I, uh, we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, this being the first year of the Bear Down Report, uh, we've, we've hit 10,000 reads, um, and, and we're, we're hoping that, that things continue to pick up. For all of you that have, are listening and reading, we appreciate it more than you guys uh, know. Uh, please share this with your friends. Uh, if you haven't, like Jack said, please listen to our episode one with Brian Heifel and Kevin Alefsky, our NFL insiders, um, especially. Actually, uh, the, the NFC North, they do great work there. and We're really excited about it. Uh, for Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, Mike Page, I'm Ryan Dangle. Uh, and this has been an episode of the Bear Down Report podcast. And as always, bear down, my friends.